You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. We're continuing our headline series, and tonight, tonight we're holding nothing back. Tonight we're going to have a very real conversation about heaven and hell. And the question I'm answering tonight is, are heaven and hell real places or are they just metaphors? And what I want you to do right now is I want you to go ahead and get the pens underneath your tables. I went out and I printed, uh, we, we printed out my entire message slide by slide so that you guys will be able to engage in conversations in your life group. I want to warn you in advance. In fact, everyone say, I'm ready to be warned. Here's the warning, here's the warning. I'm gonna fly through this stuff. I'm gonna fly through this because I want you to get into your life groups and that's why I gave you your slides so that you can continue to think along the same line. So go ahead and grab those pens, pass them around. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Turn to your other neighbor and say, are you ready to learn? All right, with that, with that, if I could have everyone's attention up here, everyone's attention, shh. I have everyone's attention up here. I want to begin with a story. A few years ago, a few years ago, our family was driving home from a trip. And as we were driving back, it was pretty late at night. And my daughter Brinley had had a really bad day. Just a bad day. I mean, she was, I think she was maybe four at the time. She was just not doing well. She was angry. She was irritable. She didn't like what we ate for lunch. Didn't like what we ate for dinner. She didn't like her brothers and sisters. She was just mad. Just a mad, mad day. Okay. So we're sitting in the car and she's just kind of grumpy sitting there. And Charlie, Charlie had a great day. Everything was great for Charlie. Charlie started to ask Sarah and I these questions. He said, hey, mom and dad, what is heaven going to be like? And we started to have a conversation about what the Bible says about heaven. Here's shocker number one. The Bible talks a lot about heaven. That in fact, tonight I hope you leave with a better, clearer understanding of heaven. I actually hope that when you leave, your answer when somebody says, hey, what's heaven going to be like? That you don't go, I don't know, we'll find out. But you go, no, there's actually a lot of scripture that talks about heaven. So we started to talk with Charlie all about heaven. And he was getting really excited. And he was asking me, who's going to be in heaven? And we answered that question, and we're going to also answer that question tonight. And we're having this really great family conversation, but then remember how Brindley was in a really, really bad mood? She goes like this. She's sitting there, and she goes, I don't want to go to heaven. She goes, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to the other place. And I was like, girl, you don't know what you're saying. But I thought about it. You know, I think for a lot of us, like, we laugh, we laugh, right? It's funny. It's a little kid saying that thing. I wonder how seriously you and I take heaven and hell. I don't know if you'll see this. You'll see this sometimes when you're uh, reading literature where the words heaven and hell are used. Oftentimes, they're lowercase. I've started to, whenever I'm writing those words, I've started to put an uppercase because they're real places. And maybe tonight you're like, ah, I think they're just metaphors. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. And my hope is at the end of tonight, you would be convinced that heaven and hell are very much real 
places. And so let's jump in together. Again, you can follow along on the notes. We're going to fly through these. Let me start by saying here's one reason I think heaven and hell are real places. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, this was written by the second wisest person in the world. Jesus being the wisest, King Solomon being the second wisest, he wrote this. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Isn't it interesting that we are the only species on planet Earth that asks the question, what happens when we die? It's a question that plagues us, that we all think about and wrestle with. I want to ask you a question. Why do you think that question is in your heart and mind? According to Solomon in Ecclesiastes, it's because God has put eternity in your heart and in your mind. That it's something he gave you to think about as one way that you would be drawn to him. I have two big ideas for tonight. Big idea number one is this. We were made for a person and a place. That every single one of you was made for a person and a place. And that person is Jesus Christ. That you were made to be in a relationship with Jesus, the author of life, the redeemer of all humanity, the one who died on a cross and rose from the dead, absorbing all of your sin and my sin so that we could live free. And that you were made to live with Jesus in heaven, which is a very real place. And big idea number two is this. God doesn't unjustly send anyone to hell. Maybe, maybe one of the reasons that you're struggling to follow Jesus or maybe one of your friend's big objections to even believing in God is this idea that how could God send someone to hell? Well, tonight I hope that, that you walk away with a better, more beautiful picture of who God is and that you understand God doesn't unjustly send anyone to hell. God allows people who reject him to go there. And so in the short amount of time that we have, here's our three questions that we're going to go after. Are heaven and hell real places? Number two, what will we do in heaven? And number three, how can I experience heaven? Y'all ready for this? I need some feedback. Y'all ready for this? All right, here we go. Question number one is this. Are heaven and hell real places? Places. I want to start with one of my favorite authors who speaks a lot on heaven and hell and who organized in, a, in an incredible novel. In fact, if you're a reader, if you're a reader, this book, Heaven is for You. Randy Alcorn put together all kinds of scriptures, uh, brought together all kinds of scriptures to talk to us about heaven. He says this, too often we've been taught that heaven is a non-physical realm which cannot have real gardens, cities, kingdoms, buildings, banquets, or bodies. So we fail to take seriously what scripture tells us about heaven as a familiar, physical, tangible place. Now, when you think about heaven and earth, there's really three stages that we're going to talk about tonight. There's the perfect earth. There's the fallen earth and the present heaven, and then there is the new heaven and the new earth. And tonight, y'all, this is like, I need you to buckle up. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up. Y'all, it's time to buckle up. This is like, this is not heaven and hell 101. This is heaven and hell 301. We're going to dive in deep. Stage one is this, the perfect 
earth. In Genesis chapter two, verses seven and nine, it says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At one time, heaven and earth were one. Perfect earth was heaven. God was walking with Adam and Eve, with his people. They were in perfect relationship. But God put a tree in the garden, told them not to eat from it. In fact, told them if you eat from it, you will die. And God didn't just mean eventually You'll physically die. He meant spiritual death, biological death, relational death, mental death, all the kinds of deaths. But he put that tree there because he wanted an authentic relationship with them. And it's the same thing he wants with you. That God will never force you to follow him. God will never force you to love him. God will show you how much he loves you, but he will never force it on you. And shortly into this perfect earth, Adam and Eve made a choice. And that's where we get to stage 2A, fallen earth. In Genesis chapter 3, 8 to 10 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. After they had eaten from the fruit, God told them not to. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's like when your parents knock on the door and all of a sudden you're texting that person or you're doing something you shouldn't and you delete your whole history, like you're hiding, you know something's going on. That's what Adam and Eve are doing. They're hiding. They're trying to remove themselves from relationship with God and that's what sin did. Perfect heaven and earth became fallen earth, separated from heaven. You see, sin, sin, Disobedience to God, anytime we lie, cheat, take advantage of someone else, gossip, lust, participate in any illegal activity, anything we do that, that, that is not honoring to God or honoring to another person is sin. When sin entered the story of the world, it fractured our relationship with ourselves. The way we treat ourselves, the way we think about ourselves is oftentimes so disconnected from how God thinks about us. It fractured our relationship with creation our relationship with each other, and most importantly, it fractured our relationship with God. One of the reasons you and I don't feel God on a regular basis is because of sin in the world and sin in our lives. One of the reasons we continue to struggle is because sin is a part of our story. And what happened then is perfect heaven and earth were separated, and all of a sudden there was the fallen earth. Peter talks about this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. For by the same word, the present heavens, now he's not talking about heaven at this point, he's talking about heavens as in the stars. For by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. God is saying, this earth as we know it, this planet, this universe as we know it is not God's final design. But what you need to know is right now, we are living in that fallen earth. And as we are in this fallen earth, we are also, we are also, we will experience a present heaven. 
In Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, again, I want you to look at a lot of these in detail later. In Revelation chapter 6, 9 to 11, we see a picture of followers of Jesus who have died before Jesus came back again for the final time. So Jesus has not come back again for the second time. Once he comes back, as we'll see in a little bit, we will spend all of eternity with him. But what we discover in Revelation chapter 6 is there are Christians who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, who died and are in a present heaven. We discover at least there's five qualities of the present heaven. So if any of you have wondered, what about grandma or grandpa? What about aunt or uncle? What about my mom or dad who passed away and loved Jesus? Are they just like laying there? Are they unaware of what's going on? According to scripture, I believe that they are in the present heaven. And here's at least five qualities of that from this passage in Revelation 6. That when Christians die, they relocate to heaven. Number two, they are intelligent. They are emotional and they're able to express themselves. They talk with God and they learn new things. They are knowledgeable about earth's events. So according to this passage, it seems clear that people who have gone to heaven, that are in the present heaven, are aware of what's going on here on earth. And it says this, that we will have bodies. Towards the end of the verse, in verse 11, it talks about Souls, but it also talks about them wearing robes. A soul can't really float around wearing a robe. That's what bodies do. And so in some incredible way, these are what we can expect if we die before Jesus returns again. It's why the famous preacher D.L. Moody said this. I love this line. He said, soon you will read in the newspaper that I am dead. He was on his deathbed. Don't believe it for a moment. I will be more alive than ever before. So let's make this practical for a second. If you love Jesus and you pass away, you will instantly be in the presence of God. There is nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. You will be in God's presence if you are a follower of Jesus. But the scripture doesn't just talk about perfect earth and then what we're living in right now, which is fallen earth with a present heaven. The scripture paints a picture and tells a story of what is to come, of what Jesus is going to accomplish when he returns, and it will be what they call the new heaven and the new earth. Look at what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, this is why the myth began that heaven is up in the clouds somewhere. This is why every single Disney movie or any theatrical performance or any, any sort of um, uh, fairy tale description of heaven looks like a bunch of us just kind of floating in the clouds and hanging out. Because this passage says that we will go into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever. This is important. It does not say we will be in the clouds forever. It says we will be with the Lord forever. You see, this is only part of the story. 
So when Jesus returns, those of us that are followers of Christ, if we're still alive, we will go up and be with the Lord. But then look at what it says in, uh, in Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. What does it say next? What does it say? Yo, what does it say up there? Coming down. So you see, in Thessalonians, there's part one, this picture of us meeting the Lord in the air, but then Revelation continues the story and says it is coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. It doesn't say that we are up in the clouds forever with God. It says God brings us all down to the new heaven and the new earth that he has created and he is dwelling with his people forever. I want you to get a picture for this of how beautiful it, must, it will be. Think about it. Every single one of us will have the most intimate, close relationship with God. He will be dwelling completely with us. There will be no separation between us. He continues, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You guys, one of the reasons I love scripture, I love God's word, is that it doesn't pretend that everything's okay. In fact, some of you will carry pain and trauma and challenges and difficulties until Jesus eventually wipes away those tears, wipes away those pain. And I firmly believe that God heals this side of eternity. He absolutely does. But there are some pains, there are some challenges, there are some struggles that some people don't experience healing from. But what I love, what I love to say, and I believe it at my core, is God heals 100% of the time. Do you know that? God heals 100% of the time. Sometimes it's this side of eternity, but it's always guaranteed in the end. Peter again says in 2 Peter 3.13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness, and that word righteousness also means justice, where righteousness and justice dwells. So students, the biblical picture is that there was a perfect heaven and earth. Sin separated that. And right now we are living in the fallen earth. And because of Jesus, we can experience glimpses of heaven here. And if we die before Jesus returns, we will experience him in the present heaven. But there will be a day when God will make heaven and earth one again where the new heaven and the new earth become one and we will walk and dwell with God. Randy Alcorn says it this way, the eternal heaven will one day be centered on the new earth and to picture it, you don't need to look up at the clouds, you simply need to look around and imagine what all this would be like without sin and death and suffering and corruption. What a beautiful picture. 
How many of you like hiking or going out in nature, going out in creation? What you see right now is, is like, like a trash dump compared to what you will see someday. I mean, just think about that. What you experience in creation right now is, is only a small glimpse of what the new heaven and the new earth will be like. But the reality is, heaven is not just real, but hell is real as well. And it would be biblically irresponsible for me to just tell you a lot about heaven and not be honest with you about hell. I really agree with what C.S. Lewis said when he said, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than hell, if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of scripture and especially of our Lord's own words. It has always been held by Christendom and it has the support of reason. You see, maybe some of you, I need to rewind a second. Maybe some of you are going, okay, hold on, hold on. Why are we believing what this old book says about a place called heaven and a place called hell? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, we know that the words in the Bible that we are reading right now in English are the same as the original words that were written. I gave a sermon about that a few months ago. That as we find older and older copies of the Bible written in the original language, they match up every time with what we have. So this text that we're reading, that we read from every single Wednesday night, it's not just some person's version of Christianity or version of God. No, it has the weight of the original authors and the inspiration of God behind it. But the second reason that we take seriously what the Bible says about heaven and hell are because Jesus took the Bible seriously. Because Jesus took the Old Testament seriously. And the reason we take Jesus seriously is because he told us that he was gonna die on a cross and then he was gonna rise from the dead. And he actually did it. He proved it. Jesus wasn't just all talk. He actually rose from the dead. His disciples gave up their lives because they wouldn't stop telling people that Jesus rose from the dead. And so all the evidence points towards Jesus actually doing what no one else could do which means he was God. And so if Jesus, being God, took the Bible seriously, and if the text and the words we're reading are the same as the original language, then that's why we'll take them seriously. That's why I bank my life on this. First big idea when it comes to hell that I want to talk about is this. Hell, hell makes logical sense. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes this. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. The Bible says God is just. And God gives every single one of us ample opportunities every single day to choose to surrender our lives to the author of our lives, the one who created us. And Paul says here, 
Because God is just, if somebody chooses to live in rebellion to God, chooses to hurt Christians, choose, choose, chooses to make themselves the God of their own lives, that they will ultimately experience eternal separation from him. You see, it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to us that the most unfathomable murderer that we could ever imagine would just somehow spend all of eternity with God. Now, it can happen if that person surrenders their lives to Christ. But if you've been wronged, if somebody has hurt you, there's something in you that that goes, that was wrong, and they need to pay some price for that. There needs to be some kind of justice. And maybe some of you have experienced an injustice. Something happened to you, and there has not been any consequences. And you're left going, that just doesn't seem right. That feeling within you was put there by God. Because when injustice has happened, God's not okay with it. And he promises that he'll deal with it in the end. Second thing I want to talk about related to hell is this. Hell is where Satan, demons, and those who choose separation from God will go. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it begins like this. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Peter again says in 2 Peter, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment? If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and how to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This story is alluding to Satan. Satan was, was originally an angel who made a decision that he wanted to be God. And so that kind of rebellion had to be dealt with. And so hell is not just for Satan. It's not just for demons. It's for anyone who rebels against God and doesn't choose to follow Christ. Hell will be devastating and will be full of regret. Matthew 13, Jesus says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And this is not talking about people who just do nice, good things. To be righteous only happens by being in a relationship with Christ. The word righteous means right with God. The only way you can be right with God, you can be righteous, to be right with God is through Jesus Christ. separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, these difficult texts to read, these warnings from God are not put in the Bible to make us afraid. They're put there because he loves us and he doesn't want anyone in this room to experience that. 
that he wants every single person in this room and anybody listening that will catch this later to know that he desires to spend all of eternity with every single one of us and to be separate from God is literally to not experience anything that comes from him. Breath, joy, happiness, contentment, peace, all of those will not be in heaven or will not be in hell at all. It'll be a total absence of God's presence. And lastly, hell is God's last resort for people who don't want to spend forever with him as their Lord. This is crystal clear again in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God is patient and loving and he wants every single one of us to experience him. And so when you and I sin, when you and I rebel, when you and I choose to do our own thing, God is gracious and patient and kind with us because he wants us to be with him. He doesn't want you and I to experience eternal separation from him. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, it says, God says, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? Hell is not like God's, God's favorite place. Hell is not God going, ha, ha, ha. No, the Bible says that God grieves when the wicked die, that God desires that every single person would turn to him. You see, hell was not a part of God's original creation and its very existence grieves his heart. Randy Alcorn says, for Christians, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. For unbelievers, for people who aren't following Jesus, this present life is the closest that they will come to heaven. Now, because I want to get you into your life groups, I want to skip ahead to the very last question. You'll have the notes for the other part, but I want to skip ahead to the last question. How can I experience heaven? It's important you understand, nobody accidentally ends up in heaven or hell. Nobody accidentally ends up there. Heaven will be an ethnically and culturally diverse place full of people who trusted Jesus with their lives. One of the things I love about where God has us here in Pomona is there is such ethnic diversity around us. And the scriptures are clear that heaven is not just full of white people. That heaven is not just full of black people. Heaven is not just full of Asian people. Heaven is not just full of brown people. Heaven is a ethnically diverse place. In fact, when the scriptures talk about heaven, it says all of the ethnos, all of the nations, all of the diversity surrounds God and worship him. And so our skin colors, our ethnic makeup, the cultures that we come from are all a part of God's beautiful design. And so heaven will be the most multicultural, multi-ethnic experience. And what will unify all of us is that we have submitted our lives and surrendered our lives 
to Jesus. It's why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You guys, it's, it's God's responsibility to make it possible for you to follow him. And that's what he did. He took that responsibility on himself. What you do with that invitation is your responsibility. So that's where I wanna end for tonight. And I wanna get you into your life groups. And maybe, maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. And maybe tonight for the first time you're realizing, wow, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And I wanna spend eternity with God in heaven, then I want you to talk about that with your life group leader tonight. And they're gonna help you make that decision. Maybe you still have some questions about heaven and hell. That's great. I wanna encourage you to go ahead and ask those in your life group. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every single student and leader here. And God, I pray as we engage in a conversation around heaven and hell, that, Lord, you would help us to think biblically, not just what sounds good or what feels good or what we want to be true or what we don't want to be true, but, God, would you, would you transform our hearts and our minds around your true word? And would we anchor our lives